is a life-changing message brought to you by Fellowship of Champions Church International, located in Conway, Arkansas. Listen now as Pastor Sean Strickland teaches you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. We want to talk tonight about um, sowing your way out. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I can sow my way out. Hallelujah. Sow my way out of anything. And I'm going to show you some scripture tonight that, that will show you people in the Bible who were in very dangerous, bad situations, and they sold their way out of that situation. And what do we know? That if we can find anybody in the Bible who did it, guess what? We can do it too. Amen. If we can find anybody, for every faith promise, there's a faith process. And if I can find another man's faith process and put my faith in it, I can have what they have. Amen. So we're going to talk about tonight, put it, sowing my way out. Tell your neighbor, say, you can sow your way out. Hallelujah. And I'm going to challenge you guys to participate with me. Everybody know I minister like this. If you want me to think you're getting it, you participate. You don't respond, I think you're in the slow class. So I keep teaching. Amen. But I don't think you're the slow class. Amen. I think you're the fast class. So come on, let's get into this word and see what the Lord has said about sowing our seeds. Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 11. Hallelujah. I know we got some people who are watching live tonight and we want to welcome you here and really want to encourage you when you get the chance that you come and be a part of this service live because it's good online, but it's better in person. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis 1 and 11. Shout, I love the word. Hallelujah. I love the word. Glory to God. Why? Because it has the power to save my soul. So I love the word. Genesis 1 and 11, when you have it, say amen. All right, let's read it together. Ready? Read. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So we learn a couple of things from that verse. We learn, the first thing we learn is that everything reproduces after its own kind. Amen. That's why you shouldn't believe that man evolved from monkeys. Because if man evolved from monkeys, then when you went to the zoo and two monkeys had made it, you couldn't be sure what they were going to have. If man evolved from monkeys, then why don't don't monkeys still have men today? Because everything reproduces after its own kind. And the other thing we learned is that the seed is in itself. The fruit is in itself. Say the fruit's in itself. Now the thing about a seed is that a seed doesn't look anything like what it's going to become. When you see some seeds, anybody ever seen any seeds? Tomato seeds don't look like tomatoes, but the fruit's in the seed. And corn doesn't look like the seed, but the fruit is in the seed. And so we learn two important principles there. That number one, everything reproduces after its own kind. And number two, the seed, it, the, the seed contains the fruit on the inside of it. Now flip over to verse 29. Well, let's go back and look at verse 26 so we can just put this in context. 
It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat that word meat means provision if you haven't written that in the bible you need to write that but he says okay i'm going to give you seed for provision so what's the principle that we take to, from this my seed determines my provision say my seed determines my provision now if you think about it that's something to be excited about amen because if my seed determines my provision, then what does that mean? That means you don't get to determine my harvest. I determine my harvest. It means the economy doesn't get to determine my harvest. I determine my harvest. It means my job doesn't get to determine my harvest. Who gets to determine my harvest? I do because he has given me seed for provision. Say, my seed is my provision. All right. Now let's go to um, Galatians 6. Why is this so important? This is so important. Anybody watch the news lately? You know what's going on on the news? Every day they're talking about foreclosures and what's going under and what's not happening. And how much longer it's going to be like this. But tell your neighbor, say, you don't have to live under that system. Say, there's a better system called seed time and harvest. And it works no matter what the economy's doing. Now, see, if you really understood that, you'd get excited about that because it means that if it takes them five years to come out of this, you can live on top all the while they're trying to figure their way out. While they're having congressional summit meetings and they're pulling people here and they're out at Camp David talking about it and they're over in the Middle East talking about it and they're in Europe talking about it, you can just be sowing your way out. Amen? Hallelujah. Galatians 6. 6. Seven, eight, and nine. All right, you ready? Let's go. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now let's stop right there. Why does God say he's not mocked? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Why did he say that? If you go back to Genesis 1, 11 and 1, and 1 and 29, he tells you why. Because he says, I have set a law in motion that tells you what? Everything reproduces after its own kind. So you mock me when you try to sow one seed and get something else. He said, but be not deceived. I won't be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, in one translation it says, whatsoever a man soweth and that only will he reap. He says, so don't be deceived. God is not mocked. 
Amen. We're going to get some good teaching tonight. It says, verse 8, it says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Well, let's talk about what that means. He says, if you sow to your flesh, what you going to reap? You going to reach flesh, and another word for that is, somebody said it, death. Well, what's the number of people? You got a number of people all over America, even church people, even people who love God, who sow to their flesh and reap destruction. Want me to give you an example of it? The Lord says that gluttony is a sin. And then you overeat, your arteries get clogged, you get high blood pressure, and you want to rebuke the devil. No, you got that sickness in your body because you sold to your flesh corruption. Amen? He says, all right, so now the same thing with your money. He says, if you sow to your flesh, and if you're honest, some of you try, have done it. Pastor Edwin and I, we talked about it on Sunday. It's something that we used to do years ago before we understand it. You thought sometimes I couldn't afford to tithe. Anybody ever thought that? Tell your neighbor, say, the truth is, you can't afford not to tithe. Now, see, somebody ought to say amen. See, the devil wants you to think that you can't afford to tithe. But in reality, you can't afford not to tithe. Why is the tithe so important? Because until you tithe, you don't even qualify for the seed sowing. Amen? Oh, oh, look, let me use it. Let me borrow your Bible. Now, who Bible is this? Her name is Charlize. Say, Charlize, this is Charlize's Bible. And Charlize loaned her Bible to who? Me. Right, right. So, can I give her Bible to Celeste? Why not? Even Even though I'm holding it, right? Who Bible is it? Okay, let's say that Charlize is God. And this is the type. And I got it. Can I give it to Mr. Waterby or Mr. Carnot? Mr. Vacation, Mr. Need a New Dress? I need to give some hair extensions. No, no, no. Why? Because who who did this belong to? So the only person I can give it to is who? See how smart you guys are? Look at that. The tithe doesn't belong to you. Say the tithe is holy. And everything holy belongs to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So now this, he says, so don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He says, if you sow to your flesh, keep the tithe. He said, then you're going to reap corruption. He says, but if you sow to your spirit, he said, then you'll reap life everlasting. Amen. Now you should underline that because we're going to come back to that in a little bit. If you guys get cold, wave your hand. If you wave your hand, then they'll adjust it a little bit for you. Amen. We'll work together as a team. Amen. All right. So verse um, verse 8 says, okay, verse 9 says what? Let us read that verse 9 together. Ready, read. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if what? If we faint not. Tell, turn, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, now is not the time to cave in and quit. It's almost your harvest time. Now I say almost because I'm going to show you when you're ready for harvest before this is over with. Hallelujah. He says, if you don't get weary in well-doing, if let me give you an example of being weary in well-doing. I'm going to give you two. Some being weary in well-doing is when you say, I'm not going to tithe no more because it don't work. That's being weary in well-doing. But another being weary in well-doing is that you bring the tithe, but you don't believe. 
you bring it because you don't heard and you don't want no curse on you. So you bring it, but you have no expectation that what God promised he would do in your life as a result of you tithing, you don't believe that he'll do it. Amen? Say, I will not think, cave in, or quit. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Shout, I love the word. The word is life. There are people literally going up. You know, we had an opportunity to encounter a lady yesterday who was six weeks from being with her company, three years. Well, that's significant because at three years, her company vested. She vested in her company. And yesterday, while she was on a vacation day, on vacation, you know what they did? They fired her. Six weeks from vesting. Do you really want to put your trust in those kind of people? Do you really want to give your whole life hoping that when they realize that they're going to have to give you this sum of money, that they might not say, you know what, let me go ahead and let you go right now. Do you want to go to work and give a company your all for 30 or 40 years to find out that their top executives have been stealing your retirement plan all the time and it ain't no money left for you? So now you done spent 40, 50 years building your career working and now your company is gone. There is no retirement. And so now you 65 years old being a greeter at Walmart. Now, ain't nothing wrong with being a greeter at Walmart, but if you do what you should do, do it for entertainment purposes when you're 65. When you're 65, you ought not to do nothing you don't want to do. Right, you should be, I like that, at the 65, you should be able to move at your own pace. But if you don't set up your future with your seed, it won't work that way for you. Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Say, that's why I love the word. Why? Because if you love the word, the Lord, the word will be life to you. And somebody will present you with an opportunity and say, you can't miss this. And all the money you'll have is be your tithe. And you'll be like, if the Lord want me to have it, he's going to have to give it to me. Because I can't take what belongs to the Lord and put in this. And you shouldn't want me to because it will curse what you're doing. Amen. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. Everybody knows this. Let's look at verse 6. You guys read this one out loud. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. You got it? Ready? Read. All right. Now, why did he say that? Because in the, it's because Corinthians is just backing up what's already been established. You got to understand in Corinthians, he was just preaching to people who weren't Jewish and they didn't understand the Jewish system. So all he's doing is reiterating what's already been established. He said, I know it didn't work this way when y'all served y'all gods that y'all had sex with in the temple. He said, but over here, this is how it works. He says, however you give it out, that's how it's going to come back to you. He said, if you give it out in teaspoon measures, the Lord will press them teaspoons down, but they coming back teaspoons. Now, the great thing about God is that if, even if you measure out in teaspoons, he'll give you more teaspoons than you sent out. But let me ask you a question. If you need $1,000, who want to receive it in dimes? Waiting for it to come in. I mean, come on, think about that. 
So you need to sow how you expect to receive. Because when you're talking to the Lord about what's significant to you, you want him to respond significantly, don't you? But you can set up your future by doing what? Sowing significantly. And here's what I, what's a significant seed? You may want to write this down. A significant seed is something that means something to you. If your seed doesn't mean anything to you, it don't mean anything to God. Now, we won't go to this scripture, but there's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus was watching their giving. Take your neighbor and say, Jesus does watch my giving. I know people want to think that Jesus is so spiritual that he doesn't watch giving, but Jesus does watch your giving because it says in the Bible he was sitting there watching their giving. Isn't that what it said? And it says that there was a woman came and she gave two mites. And he says that she has given more than all. Why has she given more than all? Because what she gave took faith. And if what you give doesn't take any faith, you can't get a harvest off of it. Well, what's an example of it? Anybody remember when they first started giving, first started hearing about giving? And $10 was significant to you? $10, when you gave $10, it meant something to you. If you go back to that time in your life, you probably had so many supernatural things that you cannot explain that happened in your life. You know why? Because $10 meant something to you. But then what God does is say he increases you little by little by little by little. And now you're giving $40, but $40 don't mean nothing to you. Now you're giving more than you've ever given before, but it don't mean anything to you anymore. And so now because it doesn't mean anything to you, even though it's more money, it can't produce a harvest like that $10 did because that $10 was a seed of faith. That $10 was when you owed everybody and when you had just started tithing. And you was like, Lord, I ain't got nothing but this $10. But even if I got to carry my lunch this week, you can have this $10. And so our challenge is that as God increases us to keep giving at a level that causes us to rely on him. I mean, does this make sense to you? Because in reality, if on a consistent basis you go out and spend $40 on dinner, a $40 offering don't mean very much to you. You know, but probably when you was giving them $10 offerings, you were still eating them value meals off the dollar meal. So a $10 offering was significant to you. So it's not about the money. It's about what it means to you. And that's why it says, he who soweth sparingly, stingily, who says, you know what, I'm, you know, this is all I'm going to give God. This all I, is all I got for you, God. This all, is this all I got for you, God. How do you know people who sow sparingly, people who argue about whether the tithe is off the gross of the net? If you, if you even ask that question, you a stingy giver. Should I tithe off the gross of the net? You ought to give him all of it. Praise God he don't ask for it because he know our faith probably couldn't let us live at that place yet. The gross of the net. The only reason you get a net is because the government don't trust you. So if you ask yourself them questions. Oh, I'm, I'm just teaching you some practical stuff tonight about giving. If you're ever someplace, and, and we, because we always challenge you, we say pray before you give. Isn't that what we say here? We don't have no lines for the 500, for the 300, for the 1,000. We don't have a line. We bless you if you get 200, but if you just get 25, we just sprinkle you a little bit. No, 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 that ain't our job. That ain't how we do things around here. We say that you should pray about what you should give. Well, let's say you're sitting in service and you say today I was going to give $25. But you hear a number that says 40. If you don't know which number to go with, which number should you always go with? The highest number. Why? Because it shows that you're a generous giver. Because you can be assured of this, the devil ain't telling you to give. Tell your neighbor, say the devil 
is never telling you to give. So if you were going to give $10 and you hear the voice of the Lord say, no, give 15 rest assured that was God. If you weren't going to give nothing and he said, no, go ahead, buy that person lunch. That was God. The devil didn't tell you to buy nobody lunch. You went standing in line and you hear someone say, pay for their groceries. He never said, that's God, baby. The devil ain't told you to pay for nobody groceries. But you got to learn how to operate with that and establish yourself as a giver who is a generous giver. Say, I'm a generous giver. Hallelujah. All right, so I told you this up front because on Sunday I taught you this. I said, if you, in order to get supernatural breakthrough in your harvest, in your finances, number one, you got to believe the word. Say, I got to believe the word. All right, now we're not going to go there because we've been going there for several, several weeks. But Numbers 23 tells us what? God is not a man that he should lie. So if God says seed time and harvest works, what does that mean? It don't even take rocket science for that. If God can't lie and God says seed time and harvest is my system of operation, then guess what? Does seed time and harvest stop being his system of operation because the government has come up with a new plan? But what's this system of operation? And if you want to be blessed, what do you have to participate in? Amen. Say, I'm a sower. Therefore, I determine my own harvest. Now, see, you ought to be getting excited about that. I determine my own harvest. Amen. Say, I got to believe the word. And then number two, you got to be led by the spirit. Say, I got to be led by the spirit. I got to hear God. I know you budgeted out your money, but Ecclesiastes says you don't know what evil is on the earth. Say, my seed is designed to secure my future. My seed is designed to secure my future. I secure my own future with my seed. I'm going to show it to y'all in the Word. I'm going to show you three places where you can show see what somebody did with their seed. Amen. And I know that usually I let you, we let you walk and bring your offering, but I'm going to ask you, even if you get your, hold your offering, because I'm, we go, we go bless your offering tonight. Amen. So I gotta be, I gotta be led by the Spirit, and I gotta, and then number three, I gotta sow my seed. Say, I gotta sow my seed. Say, seed unplanted never produces anything. Seed unplanted don't produce anything. All I meant to give. Well, all right. Give next time then. Cause you meant to give don't mean you get a harvest. There was a lady in church sitting in church on Sunday, and she said that she was sitting in church, and she, she hadn't brought any money with her. All she had was a debit card. And she said she was sitting there, and she said, Lord, I want to sow so bad. Lord, I want to sow so bad. Lord, give me something to sow. She said, and just as she said it in, in, in her heart, she said somebody passed a note over her and said, God said you need a seed this morning. But tell your neighbor, say, don't eat your seed. Because you understand that if she had taken that and went out to eat today, uh, after the fact, that she cheated herself out of what God was doing in her future. You understand? Amen. Say, I can't eat my seed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then the fourth thing you got to do, say, I got to call my harvest in. Oh, you got to say that with a little bit more enthusiasm. Now, this is where I think the body of Christ as givers really struggle with. You give week after week, but you ain't saying nothing. You're giving, but you're not saying anything. 
You're saying stuff like, I wonder if I'm going to get a raise. When you ought to be saying, I'm a giver. I know I'm going to get a raise. If don't nobody get a raise, I'm going to get a raise. Why? Because I have set my future up with my seed. I know I got enough money to pay these bills. Why? I'm a sower. It's impossible for me to be without. I taught you got this, guys, last week. It says that God is unwilling to do without what? A quick, prompt to do giver. You make yourself indispensable to God. Anybody made themselves indispensable to God? Amen. All right, come on. So I must call my harvest in. We're going to look at these two scriptures, 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. Say, I love the word. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13 says what? So what's the evidence that I believe after I sow? Now the Bible is real plain. What's the evidence that I believe? So if I see, because we we, we talk about money, but we're not just talking about money. So if I see you put on your Facebook status that you're feeling bad today, and then I challenge you by saying I'm, that you're healed in Jesus' name, and you say to me, I'm healed in Je- I know what you're saying, but I still don't feel good. You just told us what you really believe. If I say to you that the Bible says that tithing puts you under an open heaven, and the Bible says that if you are a giver, it is impossible for you to be without, and you say to me, but you don't know how many bills I got. What did you just do? You just revealed what was in your heart. And if that's the case, you can give everything you have, but you still won't get a harvest. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to be fully persuaded that the word works. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you how fully persuaded. Man, my goodness. I love you guys. All right. Job 22 and 28. Job 22 and 28. Hallelujah. Shout out love the word. All right. So we can rotate a little bit on the air, right? Okay. Can you give me some air now? So I guess this is how it works. Y'all get too hot. I mean, too cold. Y'all lift y'all hand up. They'll adjust it. I get too hot. I lift my finger up. And they will adjust it. They, have, they tell me they have to have these lights on for the camera. All right, Joe 22 and 28. You got it? Ah, that's so sad. Come on. You say, Ben, do you have it? If you don't, say, hold on. All right, if you ain't found a check, try the table of contents. Now, all the books is listed there. In my Bible, it's 856. All right, y'all got Job 22 and 28? What it say? So what's established unto you? What's established unto you? What is established unto you? So ask your neighbor, so say, why you ain't saying nothing? Or why are you only saying what you don't want? If you can decree a thing and it's established unto you, then why are you only saying what you don't want or you ain't saying nothing? 
I got to open up my mouth and decree a thing and let it be established unto me. All right, that's Old Testament. Let's go to New Testament, Mark 11. Hey, do me a favor. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, from the beginning to the end of the Bible, God has been saying the same thing. The message ain't changed. He's been saying the same thing. He's been saying you can use the word to get free from the beginning. Even before Jesus was manifested as the word, he said you can use the word to get free. He said no matter whether you're sick in your body, no whether you're tormented in your mind, why, no matter how broke you are, you can use a word to get free. He said you got to believe that word. You got to obey that word. You got to get into agreement with that word, but you got to speak that word. And what I decree will be established unto me. Mark 11, 22. All right. Everybody go read it, but we're not going to read it out loud. I want everybody to read it to themselves. 22, 23, and When you finish, look up so I know how we're going. Did you read it that fast or you faking? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Number one, it says, have faith in God. But we know that that's not actually what the translation says. What does it say? Have the God kind of faith. He says, all right, what is the God kind of faith? I say to this situation... Be transformed into the will of God for my life. That is what the God kind of faith is. I see something, it don't look like heaven. So I say to it, you can't stay like this. You got to line up with the word of God. And I expect that what I said will manifest in my life. You got to give because you expect harvest. I'm giving because I expect harvest. I'm not hoping for harvest. I'm giving because I expect harvest. I'm giving because a principle has been established that says if I give, it'll be given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It ain't my business how it go give it to me. All I need to know is that if I give, it's impossible for me not to have. I ain't going to let my rent worry me. My rent go get paid. You know why? Because I give. So I don't sit up and go, oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I, don't, I know exactly how I'm going to pay my rent. That seed I sold on Sunday go pay my rent. That's how my rent go get paid. I like that. So I live by my seed. So then I get excited. So then when the devil try to tell me seed time don't work, the Bible says he's the father of what? So if he say it don't work, what's that my proof of? That it worked. So now he tell me it don't work. I'm going to say, let me tell you how persuaded I am that it's going to work. Now I'm going to give an extra $20 because you tried to punk me and I ain't no faith punk. The Bible says this. It says that Abraham was fully persuaded that his persuasion allowed his DNA to alter, to produce what it was impossible for him to produce. He took a man that was 
with that they, did, they couldn't produce, a woman that couldn't produce, and their the word changed their DNA. The word changed Mary's DNA. The word came in and mixed with a sperm and made a baby. And you don't think the word can pay your bills? It is by a word that the sun hangs in the sky and don't fall out. It is by a word that the oceans know where they're supposed to be. It's by a word. But if you don't believe that word, you come to church all day and still be broken, still be sick. Talk about if it be your will. If it be your will, it's an indication that you're a faith punk. It's an indication that you're too lazy to find out what the word has to say. Lord, heal me if it be your will. Faith pump. Lord, help me pay these bills if it be your faith pump. How you need to ask God for something? Lord, save me if it be your will. Now, don't that sound ignorant? What do you say? If you want to be saved, what you got to do? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you'll be saved. Do you say you had to do it in church? He said he had to do it on Sunday. He said he had to do it in front of a bunch, bunch of people. He said that any time you confess and you believe, guess what happens? So you would think it was dumb if you was trying to lead somebody in the prayer of salvation. They kept saying, Lord, save me if it be your will. Lord, save me if it be your will. It is just as dumb to not have an expectation that if you sow in reliance on the word that the that harvest ain't going to come. How harvest not going to come? You say, oh, I know, I know, I know. I know, thank you. What about all them times I sold, but I didn't see no harvest? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, if you ever sold a seed and you didn't see harvest, you dropped the ball. Now, I know people don't like to hear that, but if the word always works, and ain't nobody involved in this process but you and the Word, because we established that God and His Word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they all the same, right? So ain't nobody involved in this but you and the Word. And the Word is tried and true. And then if you didn't, if it didn't come to pass, what is that an indication of? And ain't, not, ain't nothing wrong with that. Because you can adjust. The Bible says anytime you can see, hear, and understand, you can be converted. But as long as you blame it on God, you ain't going to never get nowhere. But but the devil, no, the, de- the Bible says the devil is defeated. The devil can't stop my harvest. Y'all don't believe me because I ain't got one head clap. The devil cannot stop my harvest. I know, I know, I know you're thinking about Daniel 10. In Daniel 10, it says that when he prayed, that he, the angel said to him, he said that I, um, I was delayed for 21 days. Tell your neighbor, say, that was pre-Jesus. Say, after Jesus, the, the Holy Ghost came. And when the Holy Ghost came, we now live under an open heaven. So you over there looking at Daniel, talking about I'm 21 days like Daniel. No, baby, that was pre-Holy Ghost. Post-Holy Ghost, I have what I say. I believe, I receive. I decree and it's established unto me. I have the same spirit of faith. I call those things that be not as though they were. And I call them with an attitude. Hallelujah. You got to get something on the inside of you. This says, now I've been sowing seed for two years. And the Lord told me I was going to get a promotion. And I've been doing everything. 
Oh, no, no, no. It ain't going down like this. And then you get serious about that thing. Because then you go back to old school when you first got saved and you confess every day. See, I know, see, some of y'all been saved so long, y'all don't confess every day. You don't make your confessions every day no more. You, don't think, you, you think you're too deep for that. You're looking for the deeper things. How many levels of heaven it is. I don't care. I'm just trying to get heaven here. I figure out how many levels of heaven it is when we get there. I'm sure they, I'm sure they got some people who tour. Who give, I'm sure. I, I guarantee you when you get to heaven, you can, be, you can ask questions. You ain't got to spend no bunch of time studying that. I mean, you can if you want to, but you could be studying all that stuff and be wrong. So why don't you just focus on what you know the words say? Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a sower. Hallelujah. Glory to the land. All right. How does harvest come? Let's go to Mark 4. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. Mark 4. Mark 4. Verse 26, 27, and 28. I'm going to read it for you. It says, And he said, The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed upon the ground and then continues sleeping and rising night and day while the seed sprouts and grows and increases. He knows not how. The earth produces, acting by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full ear of grain. But when the grain is ripe and permits, he immediately he sends forth the reapers and puts in a sickle because the harvest stands ready. All right, I'm, this going to help y'all. This, this, man, me and Pastor was studying this this week. We was like so, we was crazy. Wow, we was like, man, this is off the chain right here. How does harvest come? How's it come? The blade. And then what? You see, it's an open book test, guys. You can look down. You can look down. The ear and then the full ear. Well, what does earth represent? What does the earth represent? The heart of a man. So it says, it says the earth will act by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the whole, the whole ear. Now I need you to follow. I need you to understand what I'm saying. We know that the earth is the heart. Because if you go back up in Matthew 13, it says that the earth, the, the word is sown into four types of earth. All right? Everybody, everybody with me? So it says it's sown into one type of earth that's so to believe. That word is snatched. Another type of earth that um, is um, easily offended. That word is choked. Another type of heart, word, earth that's easily deceived. That, but it says, but there's some good ground. Say, there's some good ground. It's the same thing. It says, so, it says, the earth, your heart, acting by itself, will begin to produce the blade. It says, it says, and then what happens is, as you get more and more fully persuaded, it produces the ear. It says, and when you get ultimately persuaded, it will produce the whole ear. So who determines how fast you harvest? Who determines how fast you harvest? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now let me tell you why this is so important. Because then it says, it says, and when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle. Does anybody know what the sickle is? You know what it is agriculturally. For you, what's the sickle? 
your mouth. He says, all right, you hear word, word gets in your heart. He says, and you start to get fully persuaded about that word, and you see a little bit of something happen. He says, but you keep on studying and meditating on the word. He says, and you see a little something happen. He said, but there comes a point in a man's heart where he gets fully persuaded. Everybody in this room got something they fully persuaded about. For most of you, even if you are not sure that God will bless you financially, you are convinced you're going to heaven. That's what fully persuaded feels like. You can't prove it. You ain't never been, but you know you're going. Anybody here know they're going to heaven? You ain't sure whether they bringing heaven up or take, whether they bringing heaven down or taking you up or wherever it is. Who going to be there? You going to be there. You fully persuaded, right? He says, when your heart gets fully persuaded, the sickle will come, which is your mouth. He says that when your mouth starts speaking from a fully persuaded heart, you can't help but have what it is you believe in for. All right, let's go to Ecclesiastes 11. Oh, this is good. Say, I determine my harvest. See, now what I'm saying to you starts to make a little more sense when I say to you that if you got need in your body, if you sick in your body, you ain't got time to be watching TV. If you got a financial need, you ain't got time to be watching TV. You need word because word is the only way to change the condition of your heart. Word is the only thing that causes your heart to line up with the word of God. All right. In Ecclesiastes 11, look at verse 3. And we just go read to the colon, to the end side, to the end. What does it say? Verse 3. If the clouds be full, we have thought that meant I got to sow enough financial seed to get a full cloud. But that cloud there actually represents your heart. It says when your heart gets full, it'll empty itself. It says and whatever flows out of your heart in abundance, that's what you go have. Are y'all understand what I'm saying? He says, so here it is. He says, if you go back to Ecclesiastes 1, it says, bring your seed. It says, sow it to seven or eight. You don't know what evil's on the earth. He said, but then he says this. He says, and when your heart gets fully persuaded that seed time and harvest works, your heart will cause your mouth to speak as you sow that seed. He said, and when you cause your heart to speak in agreement with that seed that you sow from a fully persuaded heart, you will have what you say. Say, so I determine my harvest. Now, who's excited about that? Let's go to Hebrews 10. And I'm going to tell y'all, show y'all some faith, people. Hebrews 10. Say, I love the word. Can you understand why the enemy does everything he can to keep you from studying the word? Because the enemy knows that as long as you dabble in the word, all you're going to get is a couple of blades. But when you get fully persuaded... He said, when you get fully persuaded, let me tell you how I know you're fully persuaded about some stuff. Most of you don't get up every day and pray the prayer of salvation. Know why? Fully persuaded. That's okay. Some of the stuff you're saying now, you're saying to get fully persuaded. But once you get fully persuaded, it'll happen. When? Immediately. That's the difference between us and God. 
God's always been fully persuaded. So when he says something, he see what he say. But we lived in the world under sin, so it takes a little bit more work for us to get fully persuaded. But the Bible says that we are as he is in the world. So if Jesus could come in earth and be a man and be fully persuaded, guess who else can? And you say, but Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Ask your neighbor, say, do you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you? Then guess what that makes you? No, 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 you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm about to put y'all out because you don't even understand what I'm saying. It's Jesus did what he did because he was 100% God and 100% man. Is the Holy Ghost 100% God? Do you have the Holy Ghost? So what are you? Now, your challenge is to use the word to get the man side of you to agree with the God side of you. Lay a hand on your head. Say, head, we will receive this. The challenge for you using the word is to get your humanity to line up with your divinity. Because if your humanity ever line up with your divinity, it ain't nobody that can stop you from having what you say. But until you get fully persuaded, you got to get that mind fully lined up. You got to get that mind. I don't care how many bills we got, God go do it. I don't care what the doctor said. It's already done. I do not care. I don't care. Y'all tell me whatever y'all want to. I guarantee you I ain't dying. Watch your see though if I die up in here. Get your medical books out, baby. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to live. See, no, 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 no. That's how, that's how faith can be seen. Because people who get fully persuaded. When people are getting fully persuaded, they say things like this. You know, Fred, can't tell everybody your dream. Because you know those haters will try to stop you. But when you get fully persuaded, you're like, boo, whatever you going to do, bring your best. When you get through, guess who's still going to be still? I just wish, I wish I went to church with some people that used to just be a little bit gangster. Used to be just a little bit rowdy. Be like, what the... You don't like me? What? Now what you going to do? Because when we get through, I bet I'm still going to be standing. We used to say something like this. Oh, you don't like me? Ain't nothing in between us but air and opportunity. Baby, ain't no air no more. Now what you going to do? But instead, what you do is, I don't want the devil to mess with me. It ought to be something on the inside of you. When the devil starts talking to you about what you can't do, you ought to be sitting down, minding your own business. And the devil say, you ain't going to make it. You ought to be like, who are you talking to? You got life bent. You don't even know who I am. Let me tell you, how only am I not going to make it? I'm going to save my family. I'm going to save my town. You don't even know who I am. Ooh, the devil said. No faith punks, no faith punks, no faith punks. Hebrews 10, say no faith punks. You got to get rowdy. People who come to, forget fighting. Maybe you're not a fighter. Let's say you were going to be a cheerleader. Go. You can't go to cheerlead tribes talking about, oh, they better than me. Oh, she better than me. And this is my first time trying to go home. You got to be like, you know what? 
I may just be in the ninth grade. I bet you some of these seniors going to have to find something else to do next year. Better try out for the yearbook staff, baby, because I got a spot on this thing. If they have to expand the squad, I'm cheering. Hebrews 10, 23, read it. I'm just telling you what the Bible just said. I just put it in Ebonic so we can all understand it. Hebrews 10 and 23, what it say? That word profession means confession. What's the job of a believer? To confess. I believe, I confess what I'm believing. Hallelujah. Say, I love the word. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. When you're saying what God said, there ought to be a little swag about you. That's why they was hating on Jesus. They're like, how he going to be up in here? We've been, we've been, we've, we've been preaching for years. He ain't got no robe like we got. We ain't give him no stars and stripes. He ain't got no degree. How he going to preach with authority? He like, because it is what it is. He's so bad, he walks up in the temple, and they say he read from the Bible on this day. He said, um, this day, what you read is me. Now, you ain't got to be the Messiah. That ain't the call. But you can say, this day, what I read, that's me. Oh, I read in the Bible that everybody was healed who knew who came to Christ. That's me. I heard that, he, that when he brought them out of bondage, you wasn't a feeble one among them. That's me. I heard that he'll give you double for your trouble. That's me. I heard that when a thief must be caught, he must repay sevenfold. That's me. I heard that when I sow a seed, that I can produce a hundredfold. That's me. I don't even talk about 30 and 60. I'm a champion, baby. I ain't looking for no 30 and 60 harvest. I'm looking for a hundredfold harvest. I want the maximum output off my seed. You got to stare your faith. You got to get routed with some expectation. I mean, the hard part is done. I mean, Jesus already beat the devil. Gosh. I mean, it ain't like you got to beat him. All you got to do, the Bible says resist him. You ain't got to fight. Resist. Resist the urge to be a faith punk. Now, let's flip on over and let's read 35 and 36. Glory to the Lamb. Shout, I love the word. 35 and 36. You ready? It says, cast not therefore away your confidence in Ebonics, also known as swag, for it has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, consistency, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. In the Amplified it says, for you do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what's been promised. He says, man, don't cast your confidence away. Your confidence is the only way you get a reward. He said, if you lose confidence in the word, you can't get a reward because confidence is simply faith. He says, your confidence in God is the thing. You don't have, and here's the difference between the world swag and, and believer swag. The world swag is based on who they are or who they think they are. 
our swag is based on who's in us. So it's like, I believe because he said it. He can't lie. I mean, really, it don't get any, it, 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 it cannot get any simpler than that. I believe God because he can't lie. If I'm going to believe somebody, you, have you ever believed anybody who lied? Have you ever believed anybody who lied? And then you believe them again even after they lied? Now, if you can believe somebody after you know they lied to you. Amen. Oh, First John, my Lord, I had almost forgot the thing they had. Me and Pastor Ed were so worked up. First John 5, 15, 14. First John 5. First John 5, 14 and 15. He says, I'm going to read out of King James, and then I'm going to read out of Amplified. When I read out of Amplified, I want you to put your Bible down unless you have an Amplified Bible and listen to me as I read this because it will change your whole life. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Go back to verse 13. It says, these things that I have written to you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God and that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that if he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. All right. Amplify. It says, I write this to you who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the name of the Son of God, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have, yes, eternal life. And this confidence, this assurance that you already have abundant life, eternal life, gives you the boldness that you have in him. You are sure that if you ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens and he hears us. And since we positively know that he listens to us, whatever we ask, we also know with settled doubt and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as a present possession the request made of God. We already have eternal life. The fact that we already have eternal life gives us the boldness to go to him and ask him for anything else we see in this word. And what we know is that when we ask, the moment that we ask in confidence that we have what we ask for as a present possession. When you begin to think about everything you're believing God for as a present possession. By stripes I'm healed. I've received healing as a present possession. That's why sickness has to leave my body. I have healing now. Healing is pushing sickness out. I believe that I received debt deliverance as a present possession. That is why debt can't stay in my life because I have debt freedom now as a present possession and it is pushing debt out of my life. I believe that I have the joy of the Lord as my strength. That's why depression can't stay here. The joy that I presently have is pushing it out. I believe that I have it as a present possession. 
possession. Now go to Hebrews right quick. Hebrews 11 says what? It says, now this confidence, now this faith is my substance. What I got in prayer as a present possession is the confidence. It's my evidence. It's my title deed that the thing I'm believing for has to manifest in my life. He says, now faith is. Why? Because I received it as a present possession. So when I'm believing God for debt freedom, I don't receive debt freedom when debt freedom shows up. If you're going to wait till debt freedom shows up to receive debt freedom, you'll never get it. Debt freedom has to be received in prayer. As a present possession. Now you remember the other day Pastor Elmer said that the word is the sword. All right. You read in your word. You meditate. You listen to tapes. You begin to confess debt freedom. Because we're talking about money today. Debt freedom. Debt freedom. I'm not going to have to work like this. I'm going to be to do whatever the Lord tells me to do. I'm going to really get to do what I enjoy doing. What the Lord has called me to do. I'm getting out of debt. Lord, I thank you. I believe that I receive. I I say it. I begin to talk about it. I begin to imagine myself out of debt. I begin to imagine myself being able to do everything God put in my heart to do. I begin to imagine myself. And so then they they say something. They say, so I start sewing for where I'm going. I'm not sewing for where I am. I start sewing where I'm going. Because I have an expectation that I've already received. And he says, now, so you listen to this word. He said, and, and as a sidebar, that's why some people have to get saved so many times. People have to get saved so many times because they didn't receive it as a present possession the first time. He said, because if you, if you ever receive salvation as a present possession, you don't get saved over and over again. Even when you fall, you get back up into salvation. So I believe that I received that freedom. And so now when I'm sowing, I'm not sowing trying to get that freedom. I'm sowing because I am dead free. Now I'm giving because I'm debt free. Now I'm confessing because I'm debt free. Now I'm declaring because I'm debt free. And now what happens is, is that when I get confident, then that word becomes a sword. So then when the enemy says, here's one more bill that you didn't expect, you just slice it with the word. You say, but I got seed in the ground. You forgot I already received that freedom as a present possession. Amen. All right. I'm going to tell you a couple stories right quick about some people in the Bible. 1 Kings 17, 2 Kings 4. 1 Kings 17. Take your name and say, other people have done this and they, they prove that it works. Hallelujah. All right. Can y'all take a little more? Give me, give me about 15 minutes. I'll try to wrap up for y'all. I'm telling you, you ought to get excited about the word. Do you understand that one word from God that you receive can get you out of debt? One word from God can cause a cancer to leave your body. One, First Kings 17. One, one word from God can take a spirit of depression that has plagued everybody in your family and make it leave you alone. And when it can't try to come back on you, the word standing there is a sword. Talking about, no, nah, baby, you can't come up in here. 
Do you understand that if you if there's a promise, I believe it's in Micah, it says this affliction will not come up on you a second time. Do you understand that if you ever get persuaded of the word of God, that if you ever let the word get you out of debt, you'll never be broke another day in your life. You'll never be sick another day in your life. You'll never be bound another day in your life. You'll never be small in your own eyes another day in your life because you allowed one word from God to radically change your life. This woman does it. Oh, I love this right here. Verse, anyway, you know what happens. There's a famine. Elijah's called a famine. And he says there's going to be a famine for how many years? Three. Now, Elijah prophesies the famine. Now, that just don't really make sense to you, do it, that Elijah would prophesy the famine. But God wanted to do something. They would say God wanted to do something. And in actuality, Elijah just prophesied what sin had created for them and just said, let me give you a warning about what's about to take place. All right. And it says in verse 8, so you know he was out there being fed by the ravens and being fed by, I mean, and then the water dried up. But you have to understand that God allowed that to happen on purpose because, say, there was a widow woman who needed to sow a seed in order to stay alive. See, if you'd ever understand that you the widow woman and that in order to stay alive you got to sow a seed, and, and, and I just can't, just let me paraphrase it for you. So the, he says, get up and go to Zarephath, for I have commanded, somebody say commanded, a widow woman to sustain you. He said, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So he goes to Zarephath, and when he gets there, he meets this woman at the well. And he says to her, he says, bring me a glass of water. Now that glass of water is significant because it was a what? It was a famine. And a drought, it means you don't have any wood. But she didn't count water as being too precious to do what he asked her to do. So she must have had more water than she had meal and oil. So she said, I can get, it's enough, I can get you some water. He says, she's walking off and he says, he says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, sister. He said, why are you going? He said, I need you to make me a cake. She says, no, 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 man of God. I love you, man of God. She says, but I can't make you a cake. Because in her precious situation, she forgot she had been commanded. See, the Bible says that she was commanded, which means that God had prepared her to sow before the man ever showed up. But here's what happened. When he first told her to sow, she had a lot left. See, you have been in that situation. God tell you to sow a certain amount of money, but you got a lot left. But now when it's time to sow it, you ain't got that much left. So you say, no, 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 I, I ain't got $200. He said, yeah, you do. He said, now you may have to get 100 out your savings and 100 out your checking, but you got $200. That's what she did. She divided up. She said, I got some oil and some meal, but I don't have a cake. Now, do anybody know what happened if you put oil and meal together? What you get? You get a cake. Tell your neighbor, say, don't minimize your seed. So this woman, she says, so she has a decision to make, say, say, say decision point. Say, she's going to break through or she's going to break down. Every seed is an opportunity for you to break through or break down, and you get to choose. This woman is either going to break through or she's going to break down. She says this. She says, I don't have enough for you. I'm about to take what I have. I'm going to feed my son, and we go die. Now, I heard this pastor say something, and I think that was pretty good. He said, they must have been in t- she must have been intending to commit suicide. Because why else would she say, we're going to eat this meal right here, and then we go die? He said she had got down to her last. She was like, there is no hope. And the man of God said, if you just bring me some first, 
That's what God is always going to do. He's going to say, bring me some first. Why? Because if you bring me some first, you allow me legal access into the rest of it. He said, I need you to bring it to me first. You can't bring it to me last. You got to bring it to me first because then I can get involved. So this woman goes and does it. Tell today's say she had great faith. This woman goes and does it. Now, I just want to be honest because we live in America. You do realize that if there was a widow woman right now somewhere in America about to eat her last meal and die, and a prophet or a pastor went to her house and said, Woman of God, you don't have to die. Just bring me some meal first. Before you know it, CNN and CBSC and ABC and NBC, they'd be like, this crooked preacher, this low-down preacher, he trying to take everything she got. Say, he wasn't trying to take anything. He was trying to save a life. But because we live, can you imagine what kind of mess it would have been? They'd have been outside talking about, let's see what's going to happen now. It looks like she is going to feed him first. Someone needs to intervene for her. Tell your neighbor, say someone was intervening for her. She brings this, this seed to him first. Say first. And she goes back to make some for her and her son. And guess what? It was enough. Now, we don't really know if the barrel filled up to the top or if every time she dipped again and poured again, it was some more. But what we do know is that every time she dipped and poured to make a cake, it was enough. Now, I just want to show you this one thing in here that you may not have noticed before. In verse 12, she says what? And he said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. How many people did she say was going to eat? Me and my son. That's two, right? But look down here at verse 15. And read. I want everybody to read it out loud. Ready? Read. She only had enough. For her and her son. She didn't say, me and my house go eat. She said, I only got enough for two. Where did she get a house from? Because every time she dipped and poured, it was enough. There was a famine in the land. So what began to happen? Now she's selling this oil and this that ain't never running dry. And so she ends up in a famine. With not just her and her son, but a household that she's feeding. Now, if you study this out historically, you will find that this woman fed that house, which they say had as many as 50 people in it, for three years. Of one seed. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor say, neighbor, your seed brings perpetual harvest. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. When you get an apple tree, when you plant an apple tree, do you expect just to get apples one year? Every time it's apple season, what do you expect on that tree? And the more mature the tree gets, what happens? So you should be expecting seed, harvest off of seed you've already sown. Because seed produces perpetual harvest. 
So that's why you ought to sow when somebody's preaching about healing. That's why you ought to sow when somebody preaching about joy. That's why you ought to sow when somebody preach, preaching about wisdom, when they preaching about finances. Why? Because it's going to come a time in your life you're going to need to pull from that tree. But you need to have already sown the tree and have it grown up. And so you go, you know what? I sowed into that man of God when he was preaching about wisdom. Now I need some wisdom. Let me go harvest me some wisdom for my situation. I sowed into the faith conference. Oh, I need some faith. Let me go harvest my faith so that I can get the will of God done for my life. All right, one more story, one more story. Say that, say she was poor, but she gave till she wasn't poor no more. Just so you know, she didn't just sow one day. She sowed, she fed that man every day. She kept on feeding. But, but now let's look at a rich woman. Say rich women need breakthrough too. Amen, rich women need breakthrough too. Second Kings, the fourth chapter. I like this story too. Now, according to Celeste, if you want this full message, you have to get the CD from December of 2007 where I preached this message in its entirety. I can assure you that the CD is going to be much more detailed than what I'm about to give you now. So if it makes you hungry, purchase the CD. All right. It says there was a woman. Gosh, I like to paraphrase these stories because when y'all read the Bible, like y'all read the Bible all dry. But you got to read the Bible like it's a story. Now, understand, say that was a rich woman. Now, imagine a rich woman. I mean, you don't watch Orange County, Housewives of Orange County. I mean, you, you done seen somebody on cribs. She was a rich woman. And it says this rich woman constrained this man of God. Constrained means she said, look here. Don't you come to town no more and don't eat in my house. I need you to eat in my house. But understand, she's sowing seed here. She's sowing seed here, but she's rich. So the meal don't mean very much to her. But she's giving it. Why? What's happening? Her faith is getting built. Well, if you read it on down, it says, and then she perceived, say her perception changed, that he was a man of God. And so then she says to her husband, she says, let us build him a chamber. Now, understand, what kind of woman did we say she was? Now, whenever you watch them movies on TBN, they show it like she had Elijah in one little twin bed with one little lamp and one little stool. But what kind of woman was she? If she was going to build something on her house, wasn't it going to look like the rest of her house? She didn't build no little shotgun room on the side of her house. Her perception changed, so she began to give of something that was valuable to her. Say so she perceived that he was a man of God. Now, I know everybody here, y'all trust us, but I'll say to you watching, watching by the Internet, if you don't trust your man of God, that's an indication that you're in the wrong place. If you got to be talking about what the pastor did, oh, he got a new car, then you, don't need, to, you, you need to find you some other place to go to church. You need to find a man of God that you can trust. It says she perceived. So then when she proceeds, she started opening a little bit more of her treasure. She was like, all right, all right, you good people, you good people. I've been watching you. I watch you. Come on here. You ain't trying to hit on me. All right, I perceive you a man. Let's go ahead. Let's build a man of God a chamber. She builds him a chamber. She builds him this chamber. And understand that she furnishes this chamber at the same quality as her house. Because she wouldn't have built onto her house something that was junk. And so she lets him come and go. And then the man of God, because when you start being a blessing, to the man of God, the kingdom of God, then the anointing 
starts being stared. And the anointing starts looking for an outlet. And so he starts saying, now this woman, you, he said, call this woman here. He says, look here, uh, um, you've been good to me. Every time I turn around, you open your house up to me. Every time I turn around, you feed me. You're taking good care of me. What do you, what do you want me to do for you? Do you want me to introduce you to the king? Do you want me to, to introduce you to the commander of the arm? Tell your neighbor, say, as a king's kid. You ought to be favored to know who's who in your area. Now, he couldn't introduce her to the king if he didn't know him, right? So he was a man of integrity and stature. His reputation had gone before him. He had access to the king. So he said to her, he says, he says do you want, me to, you, want me to get you, you want me to hook you up? You want, you want me to get you at the state dinner or whatever? She said, no. She said, I dwell among my own people. She, in other words, she said, I'm cool. I'm fine. I got everything I need. You know, don't worry about it, Elijah. I got money. I'm straight. Don't worry about it. You don't need nothing to do. So she walks out, and he says to, he says to his assistant, he says, what can we do for her? He said, we've been coming here. He said, she ain't got no kid and her husband old. So he calls her back. You know when the Bible calls somebody old, what that mean? When the Bible calls somebody old, oh, they really just mean they dried up. He said, so he called, he says, he says, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. Her seed produced the thing that her money couldn't. You need to understand that there are sometimes in your life you don't need money, but you still need what can be produced from the Spirit. And her seed opened up the heaven over her life. He, she says, you go, she, he says, you're going to have a baby by this time next year. Now, you got to understand, come on, use your sanctified imagination. You're this woman. She's fresh. She got on the St. John of the day. Her hair is laid. She got everything she needs. She's walking away. He says, this time next year, you're going to have a son. She went, what? A what? Don't play with me now. Now, my husband done bought me all this stuff. Trying to cover up for the, but I don't have a son. I'm gonna have a son. He said, baby, you gonna have a son. She said, girl, she went on and got her some Marvin Gaye. She said, oh, baby, we about to have us a son up in here. Don't be so deep. That's what she did. If she got a promise that she was gonna have a baby, she had to have sex to get a baby. She was like, baby, it's on my boy. The anointing is on me. I'm about to have me a son. Tina said she has a son. Now, you know that all this time she has this son, this son is growing up and everything, but the prophet's still staying with her. She's still sowing the seed. The, and then when the boy was about 16 years old, taking they would say, he died. Now, faith punks would have said, the Lord give it, and the Lord take it away. That's what they would have said. Well, she went, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. She said, I need to go find the man of God. But she takes the son and she lays him in the prophet chamber because she figures it's some more anointing going on in the prophet chamber. She's like, now I done prayed over him. I done laid hands and he ain't got up yet. All right, let's take him upstairs. He didn't get up there. She said, I am going to find the man of God. She said to her husband, I say she was a woman under authority. She didn't just break out and go, now, I'm going, I'm going over there. I don't care what you say. She said, baby, I need to go. He said, baby, go ahead because you're a wise woman. You, ain't, you, you do what you say you're going to do. Go ahead and go. She said she gets on her donkey, which would have been like a Range Rover at the time. She says, take me, drive me as fast as I want. Don't, don't stop until I tell you to stop. She goes. She sees the man of God. And then she dressed clean. She gets off. She falls on the ground and grabs him. He says, what's wrong with you? The, man, the assistant tries to pull her off. She's like, I ain't going nowhere. You better let me go. I will tell you. Don't make me take my earring off now. I done come to get something today. 
He says, he tells Gehazi, he says, run with your my staff. He says, don't speak to anybody either way. He says, and lay the staff on the boy. She says, he can run wherever he wants to. I'm with you. Wherever you go, if we go on a three-week crusade, when we get through crusading, you go come on back and lay hands on this boy, and he go get up because you made me a promise that my seed was going to live, and I got seed in the ground that indicates that my seed will live. This concludes our message. Thank you for supporting Fellowship of Champions Church International. To order other products or for partnership information and other resources, visit us at championsforlife.org or write to us at 1105 Deer Street, Conway, Arkansas, 72032. Thank you for listening and continue with us as we build Champions for Life.